water, earth, fire, air. Welcome to Bending the Elements. A production by the Novice Latest Podcast. With your hosts, Caleb and Isaac. Podcast about all things Avatar. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, those in between, uh, and unaffiliated, to Bending the Elements, an Avatar podcast by us, the novice leadists. I'm joined by, once again, my good friend, very close best friend, actually, uh, Caleb, and I'm Isaac. Ready, sir, for tonight's episode? Oh, yes. I'm very excited to talk about uh, which, which one is this? I'm, I'm open, opening my notes right now. It's book book two, chapter. Do you know which one? <laughs> I believe it is book two, chapter 14. 14. Yes. Yes. City of Walls and Secrets. Yeah, yeah we finally arrived at, at Bossing Say. I mean, we sort of got there last episode, but yeah, well, who's counting? Well, they, they hopped on a train. They're at the city walls. They're at the, the border. Oh, wait. So if anybody's watching this on the Blu-ray, then they're kind of messed up because we're saying like episode 14, right? Well, this yeah. may not be episode 14 because of a certain oh, yes. decision mm. to combine two episodes together. Yeah, as we discussed in our, our previous two episodes, yeah, weird, weird thing going on there. And I noticed today on Netflix that they title it as... Uh, Journey to Bossing say part one and two, and it says the serpents pass in the drill. So, huh? So it's not even consistent on on there. Interesting. Oh, but to, to jump into this one, I'll start by saying this one was written by Tim Hedrick, uh, back again, and also directed by Lauren McMullen. And the animation studio was provided by GM Animation this time. Oh, but to jump into the summary here, we begin this episode with the gang finally arriving in Bossing say. And immediately upon their arrival, they meet Judy, a lady who is sent by the king to guide our group through the city. And right off the bat, there are signs that things have gotten a little weird in the Earth Nation capital. The gang requests to go right to the king to discuss the war effort, but Judy deflects this by saying that everyone is safe in Bossing Say, and just kind of ignores their uh, requests. And now that our group is getting a first look at the vast city, problems are immediately clear. Poor people are confined to districts rife with crime, and it seems the upper class have confined their minds away from the pressures of the war. And worse still, slinking along the city streets, lurk the Dai Li, agents of the cultural authority who are charged with upholding the traditions of the city, whatever that means. And after asking several times, Judy finally reveals that it will be six to eight weeks before the group can finally have a meeting with the king. And while they have some free time, they decide to go back to the hunt for Appa, but at every angle, Judy is there smiling and intimidating anyone who might say something unsavory. Finally, when Judy gives them a moment of peace, they corner someone who tells them that they're not allowed to discuss the war and warns them to avoid the Dai Li. But over on the other side of the plot, Jed has been spying on Zuko and Iroh as they work at a tea shop and try to make a life in the city. But following up on his discoveries in the last episode, he hasn't managed to find any new proof on his firebending claims against them. And when Smellerby and Longshot confront him on his obsession, he decides he's going to attack the two and force them to reveal themselves. Eventually, 
the Daily arrive in a rest jet and proceed to process and brainwash him. But back with the gang, after seeing a notice that the king is hosting a party, Katar and Toph decide to dress up and infiltrate the affair, hoping to get an audience with the king. They sneak in trying to pass as upper-class types, while Aang and Sokka disguise themselves as busboys. Unfortunately, Aang is revealed when Judy tries to make them leave, and they're taken into custody by Long Fang, the head of the Dai Li. It's then that we discover that they are the real power in Ba Sing Se, and the king is merely a figurehead, as the Dai Li have created a silent dictatorship. Long Fang threatens the group to stay silent, or they'll further disrupt Aang's attempts to find Appa, and as this side of the plot closes, we see that a new Judy has come to be their guide, and with the fate of the original one unknown, we'll jump into our discussion. So, do you have your uh, copy at the old timestamp zero? I do. Yeah, I guess we'll hit play in three, two, one, play. Those who have their legally or illegally purchased versions of this, uh, you know, you know the drill. Try to keep up with us and you'll fail. Because <laughs> we can't even keep up, keep up with each other. Oh, but Cities of Wall, City of Walls and Secrets. Do you remember this one from your uh, your childhood watchings? I think I do. Uh, it's... I don't remember much. I'll say that because I can't trust myself anymore whether or not I did watch this on YTV back in the day or not, or if they had it. I'm beginning to suspect that they either, I think my mind's blurring between when I watched it in like the whole thing in 2015 uh, Mm. for the first time over or like with my childhood. So I gotta, I I don't know if I could be trusted. Whistler son. Whistler son. (laughs) Thanks. Stole it this time. Wow. I'm that out of it today. (laughs) previously on yeah this one definitely stuck out to me when i watched it uh on my watch through i was kind of rushing through the series at the time i was binge watched it all and i think like three weeks uh but this is one of the ones where i was like oh okay we're definitely you know now that we're embossing say things are getting a little bit more shady in this this whole earth kingdom side of the plot is getting more uh more complicated than i would have expected so what we have had these past few episodes from episode one of book two all the way until now, uh, episode chapter 14, which they, which they say here, they say oh, yeah. 14. Um, but what we have here is we, we have the same as last season where it's them going to a destination. Mm-hmm. Um, now in this case, it's not so Aang can learn earthbending necessarily, but to get to the earth kingdom or they get to bossing say to the earth king and give him this information that they got fr- they stole make that clear <laughs> stole uh from the great library wang chitong's great library excuse me now do you feel this is a redone plot by the way of them going to a new destination do you feel like it's they've earned this like you know the stay or or not does that make do you make sense what i'm saying yeah um yeah i feel like they set up pretty clearly in the first season that this that's kind of going to be the template of this show it's going to be going to be a travel show every new week we kind of move to a new destination or maybe every like we'll have a little kind of run of episodes every now and again like uh was it the the northern water tribe we had that was that a three-parter and so, so they've kind of established that that's what we're going to keep getting throughout the show, I think. Fair enough. I just, I wonder, do you think it's rehashed? Do you think it's not as, not the same? It doesn't have the same magic as it did in the first season? Because at least in that first season, that whole like plot of getting to the North Pole was built up from like episode one. And you, 
this is this is kind of smack in the middle or late to the end of the mm-hmm. series and it doesn't feel as i mean they're essentially you know redoing season one in a way but it doesn't feel this i mean there's nothing wrong with feeling the same of course but like i don't know it doesn't hit his, his home as it did previously yeah and i think um some of that could be the the grandeur of the city like we see little snippets of it but it's definitely nowhere near as impressive as that kind of water city well that we saw at the end of that first season i don't i don't agree with that per se it's not even just that it's just like i've had these feelings for a while even when watching it um again gorgeous animation they, they've done here and maybe there's a reason for the fact that you know you don't like find the city as i guess distinct as you know back in the water city but like the northern water tribe but i think it has its own identity but i also think the fact that it looks kind of more real world than the water tribe did also helps Oh, okay. Yeah. I find it makes it a little less distinct feeling, but, but they're going for different vibes as well. They certainly are, but, but I guess to jump into the actual start of the episode, um, maybe this is, maybe this is an inaccurate statement, but I feel like, um, seeing those kind of deer there and then this train, it was just had a very Studio Ghibli kind of feel is making me think of, of, uh, Princess Mononoke with, um, oh, what's that, what's that deer thing's name? I know it starts with a Y. It's but... not Yahool. It's Yarl. No. Uh, yeah, cool. On. I just looked it yeah, up. Cool. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Nice. Yeah, and um, I forgot. Yeah, and this train uh, just kind of it just kind of makes me think of Spirited Away a little bit. Oh, what gave you that? Just what gave you that <laughs> idea? <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that's all I had to say really about that. But <laughs> okay, so one, it looks they look more like antelope than deer. Although, of course, they are. I believe distant ancestors of course i don't know if they're in the same family or genus i don't know and obviously they could be deer antelope we don't know mm. and secondly or they could be what you cool is thank you uh secondly the uh corn the cob in the mouth guy uh is a reference according to brian Kanetsko to invader zim interesting interesting i've never seen that program that's uh, fair neither have i so <laughs> all those who want us to mention it there i mentioned it anyways so I like what, you know, Katara is just like, ah, we're finally here. And that's when I was just like, it doesn't feel as earned as it did last season. I don't know why. <laughs> and last book, excuse me. But uh, of course, as soon as she says that, Sokka's just like, nope, say nothing of the sort or else. Like, please don't. Yeah, and I'll just say uh, just for a little bit more in the buildup, they at least did reference Bossing Safe for a long time. Stretching back to that first season, I mean, it they, wasn't a destination did. that they were planning to go to, but it was at least kind of in people's minds. So I'm sure some viewers were curious to see it. Of course. I don't disagree with that. It's just like, I mean, if this is like Empire Strikes Back and you look at Cloud City and you're like, that's it. <laughs> oh, I'm terrible right now. <laughs> oh, but the the group, they arrive at the uh, the train station here, they're. Yeah, they're looking to, to meet meet up with the king, tell him about their their new discoveries, and right right away they meet an, an emissary from the the king, this little guy Judy. And they're like, oh great, someone who's going to take us right there, but something just seems a little off about her. There's there seems to be some weird music in the air every time she's around, some sort of creepy music, and she's got this weird smile, and somehow she just walked across that train track. I was very confused about that. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> 
Somebody put a board in front of the the gap <laughs> to let her go to the other side. That or she earthbend to the other side. Oh, there you go. There you go. I will say, like Toph's little line beforehand, that uh, she, even though Sokka's very impressed by the architecture and the scale and, you know, just how they can house all these people within, like, you know, an inner ring. Uh, I like Toph's line of, like, all I see are walls. Yeah. I'm like, that's that's good. That's a, that's a good line, Toph line. In that there's metaphorical walls put up in this place just as there are physical Perhaps emotional, mental, but let's, let's let's move on. Let's move on. I do I do feel you know for Ang, he's trying to find Appa again, and get trying to get. A, he, he's like that kid who really needs to do something when they stop at their destination. Like you know the kid that wants to take a photograph or get an autograph of some somebody like the mascot, uh, hmm. like an amusement park, but they just can't. Although in this case, it's like they've lost their dog. That's that's the case. So it's always on their mind. Yeah, but um, continuing past that little scene there, we we get a little bit of a tour of the city, and this is I, I like the more grand, like kind of upshots. But once we're kind of down, just looking at the city, maybe, maybe it's just because we're seeing kind of the slums here. It it just yeah, I just feel like the the grandeur of it is maybe not quite up to what I was expecting, but but it is the more most developed looking place we've seen so far, I think. And that exactly is the thing, in that. This is supposed to be resembling, you know, the real world. Um, I kind of like this, that we're we're finally seeing like what a modern air quote civilization looks like rather than outside in all the villages that we've come across mm. where we do see like, you know, minutia and we do see something that's like more closer to home between you and I, uh, where, you know, I, we both grew up in the suburbs. I mean, you did grow up out rural country, or rural area, excuse me, but. Uh, still, I, I like that, once again, it shows that this world is still developed and that there's parts of it that are developed. And I like this idea of this whole big, like, you know, three three section ringed almost areas um, encapsulating the city. And it's a very unique idea and design. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had, uh, Knitsko and DiMartino had, um, was it? No, I, I was gonna. I'm gonna butcher name, of course, but they had one. Um, oh yeah, I don't remember her name, but uh, Elsa somebody, um, one of the background designers, and yeah, she was. She had a fun time on this episode. I think I hope there's no crunch time on her, but I think she and the crew and the team did a good job uh, on the backgrounds of this because I really do enjoy the city. And that, that is the thing is that you want to see it. This is a fantasy. You don't want to just see like you know every everyday normal life. And uh, you want to see, you go know, out there and see the wild, see the spirit worlds. And there's no spirits here. Or are there? <laughs> um, but yeah, I like, I like Ang's little line of like, there's always something off about the city. Like when I was a kid, when I, you know, a hundred years prior, even mm-hmm. back then. And the monks didn't like, you know, journeying here. So very interesting about that. Yeah. He said it was very different. He heard it was very different than the way that the monks taught him to live. Yeah, and I like how he looks kind of somber just seeing all these poor people kind of like herded in this tiny little area. Yeah, and I, I like the the kind of the social commentary right away about like, yeah, there's kind of a sickness in this city. But um, cutting away from you know, the gang, we, we cut back to our other little gang here of Zuko, Iroh, and then 
Jet not far behind on his heels, following in his footsteps. And I, I like that little moment there. Them talking about trying to make a life in this little city now. They've kind of got to move in here for a while, too. Yeah, I agree. I remember remember everybody. They've already had it. They already had a apartment and or a residency purchased by uh, the order of the Lotus players. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Secret. Paishoa. Paisho League. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Secret, Secret Paisho players. And... Ira wants to spice things up, or at least you know, liven things up. A well, a, a homecoming gift, if if you were. And you know, Zuko's just like, yeah, whatever. I don't, I don't really care. I, I still don't know what I'm doing. And hot on his heels, though, still furious at mm. uh, Zuko turning down his uh, his offer at joining his club, and also, you know being partners romantically rejected yep. uh what well, yeah no rejected jet um is <laughs> narrating to himself what happened last episode and just narrating to nobody or reminding the audience hey this is why i have this like grudge uh because the writers told me to <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and i was gonna ask um just since you're kind of uh critiquing some of the repetition or maybe the uh, the laziness in writing. But vaguely, I don't know if you're necessarily saying that, but I'm not trying to say laziness, please. <laughs> Would you do you think it's a curious uh, coincidence that they that all of them have wound up in Boston say at the same time and also staying for prolonged periods of time when they've both been, you know, pretty quick travelers, not really staying in one place at one time. Yeah, what's that term again? Like two lines, one exit or something like that? Oh, I don't think I know that one. Okay. Well, again, I'm no writer. Uh, I am definitely not, you know, qualified to write. Uh, is this utter laziness? Certainly not. Maybe this is just me and my mindset right now at things feeling either stagnant or like there's no plot here. And well, I just have to like make it up as I go along. But I, I, I definitely think there's a, I guess in terms of actual plot, I mean, there's revelations in this episode. But yeah, it's, maybe there's not that much plot to it. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, this is a very, like, I think people would like this part because it's a lot more about... Is it? Is this about politics? Yeah. It's about the politics of a city and what we do with news and stuff. We'll get to that, of course. So, and I like that stuff. Yeah, and I'll say... Uh... I think it's a good choice on this show's part to uh, discuss kind of the side effects of war. Like it's not necessarily just the brutality that the actual conflicts can cause, but it can create these weird power vacuums in places like this. Like this is it kind of created a little dictatorship and just them kind of shielding the people from the war just as a way to control them. So, you know, what we almost need. And this is like, again, hindsight is 50 50. I'm awful, but like we need an episode where we focus not on the point of view of Aang or any of Katara, Sokka, Iroh, Toph, or Zuko. We needed a POV of what it's like living in the city, like every day. Mm. How, because we know there's a war, but 
these people don't. Now, we could say that's horrifying, but if we experienced it firsthand, like say, what if Aang were to use that technique he learned in the foggy swamp and he, you know, connected his chi with somebody else, like he connected his chi through the vines to find Appa. Wonder if he could do that here or not. Maybe it wouldn't work, but wonder if he could do that here with another person and see through their eyes. See with eyes clouded by hate, or at least <laughs> with misinformation, to see why, you know, it's so important for these people to kind of know the truth. And if there are consequences to that. But I get the feeling there may not be. I don't know. Yeah, and it's it's interesting you mentioned that because there almost always is some sort of in that we meet, or at least they did a lot in in the first season. And I guess even the Serpent's Pass, it's kind of, you know, these these refugees, we kind of get an, an inside look at them just trying to do whatever they can to escape kind of the wars. So it is kind of surprising that I guess Judy is really the only kind of one that we get kind of continuing through the episode. We get one-off little characters like that uh, the guy that we'll meet in a few scenes who tells them about the, the dangers. But yeah, no, they, that would have helped this episode, I think, yeah. In fact, I like where you, you, maybe you didn't intentionally mean this, but like, I love that you just mentioned the refugees, which I had forgotten about, but yeah, no, the, the three refugees, I've forgotten their names, sorry. Um, the three refugees and their baby hope, you know, mm -hmm. it's just two on the nose. <laughs> yeah. Um, imagine if they went and found them and they like kind of either lived with them or lived around them and they got like. Instead of like, you know, Judy always hounding them or whatnot, they went and lived with them or at least, you know, stayed around with them to like, you know, get all the juice and even like hear their experiences of what it's like to live here. As but obviously that doesn't lead more towards the plot. I, I don't know. Yeah. And I guess as our kind of lone representative, Judy, I mean, maybe this is what the, the people are kind of like. They're kind of just these almost props of the, the state where they can't give their own individual thoughts. All they can do is just kind of maintain what the established order is meant to, you know, be, oh, you don't mention anything about the war. Everything's fine here. Everything's safe here. Like, there's nothing going on. So maybe if they met random people, that'd be that kind of what they'd be dealing with, too. But I think we do actually meet a few characters. Maybe we'll go ahead and discuss some of that. Like, I'm currently in the scene where they're going through the financial district. And I like that we get a little reference to uh, Boston City University. And then Sokka just gets into a rage like, oh, yeah, we met a professor from there. And that's where we, you know, we found all our information about the uh, from the library that we want to get towards the, the king. And I thought that was a fun little moment. Judy just smiling. <laughs> well, giving him giving him like the, the heads up or the, the giving him like the don't say anything treatment from behind Sokka's back before he's like, wait, what's going on? He like, look, why is his eye direction changed to Judy? Wait, what's going on? She's like, that ah, being normal. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love that when they meet that little, uh, yeah, professor guy and he like stumbles away. Uh, not professor, it is a student. Student, yeah, yeah, no, they meet, they meet, the, uh, they meet Robin and he's just like, yeah, I gotta get to class. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a political science major. That guy looks like a political science major. What are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, oh, talk to Professor Zay. He's the uh, the authority. And they're just like, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> I thought that was a fun little little bit of callbacks. 
Oh, before we get to that scene, I, I wanted to go back a moment as we see uh, Zuko and Iroh applying for a, applying for a gig. And where else would uh, Iroh go for a job but a tea shop? And he has this little bit about the tea being terrible and they kind of have a fun little uh, change on that later in the episode when he kind of revitalized the tea shop. I like that little bit. I have no idea whether or not he like secretly changes the recipe or he like mentions to his boss, like, Hey, if you did this or this, like he's underhanding him in a way. Like I, I kind of like that idea that he, he's making secret adjustments to the tea. And so his boss is kind of oblivious to that. of just like, Oh yeah, no, the tea's always been great. So he has no idea that the tea recipe has been changed, but of course it gets the immortal line of this tea is just hot leaf juice. And then Zuko replies, that's pretty much what tea is. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but it's not the same. Yeah, I like that bit. And then when he throws it out the window. Fun stuff. Thank you, Mako. Throws it out the window. There's Jet just creeping around. Yeah. Like, man. What a stalker, this guy. He's got the hots for Zuko, man. Like, I tell you, like, sometimes people, when they, when they see they're infatuated with somebody, they will, like, go head over heels to find them. To just, you know, see what they're doing just to get a look at them. Is that creepy? It absolutely is. Like, it's really creepy. Like, it's it's awful. I mean, I can't justify creeping and sleuthing around, but, like, obviously somebody should catch him and be like, hey, what are you doing? Like, why are you looking at this guy? It's so weird. <laughs> I like how this joke has changed so much from, uh, yeah, it's no longer about him just uh, trying to catch him in the act of firebending now. it's He really is just a, a jaded lover. No, that's how he is, man. He's a jaded lover. I don't know what you're talking about, about like, you know, he's thinking they're firebenders. They ain't firebenders. Like, do those two look like they're firebenders? Looks like they've been firebent at, but like, no, nah, I'm telling you what, man. Yeah, now that you say it. This here, like, he, he is a just completely jaded lover. Like, after Katara froze his rear, like, man, <laughs> he had to like, like, stay still there for like, frozen for a while, and he's just he had thoughts to himself. He's like, man. Just like women oh no you know i do spend hang around with a lot of guys now that i think about it but i really don't feel comfortable around you know being romantic with you know these buds because i see them as buds they're bros i can't i can't do that so he's like i gotta reach out and try somebody else and he went through a whole like string of other guys that didn't go well so he he sees zuko and he's like oh my goodness this is look at this adonis here like he is everything. Like in fact, that that eye, like his scar on the eye, that represents everything to me. A person who's been afflicted by the Fire Nation themselves. Mm, mm. Like they could ju- just to see my mortal nemesis in front of me, uh, the Fire Nation, like on my lover. Like oh, <laughs> oh this no. is so great. This is ex- like he's everything I've ever wanted, and he can fight. Like no wonder he loves Zuko. Like it's it's perfect, man. Yeah, and we'll see how that perfection uh, manifests as we continue the episode here. But uh, first, we have to jump back to Judy, our favorite uh, tour guide. Little tourist guide. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, she takes them to the upper ring, the home of the most important citizens. That's uh, that sounds uh, yeah questionable. Who decides? Yeah, so we have the lower ring. We have well, so there's like four rings. To be fair, there's the lower ring or the outer ring, which has got you know, I guess farmland and whatnot, which is where they get their agriculture from, which is a nice touch. I like, I love that. It's like, where, because 
don't know if I questioned this in the Northern Water Tribe, but like, where do they get their like food from? Like, do they have agriculture? Like, it's still a hunting and gathering tribe because they're in the ocean. So I assume sea life is, you know, their main um, diet. So in here, since there is no like inland uh, uh, lake, I guess other than like the Serpent's Pass, I forget if that was uh, sea water, fresh lake or salt water, but they so they probably do some fishing of course but they also do run their own agriculture which is nice and there's like you know the third ring which is you know all the where the like workers and refugees and poor poorer people like lower socioeconomic people live and you have the middle ring which is the financial district which you could assume is well uh where all the middle class people and or higher middle class people live uh who do all the other higher job stuff and then you of course have the inner ring first ring which is where all the royalty is of course um is it reminding you of course gone to bit hmm like that's that's another thing of like we basically have a bustling city uh we all like almost no vegetation is anywhere around there unless like the odd tree here and there whether it's like you know on somebody's front lawn or not maybe it's that maybe it's like coruscant almost um, I don't know how much I could see it, but, 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 but fair enough, fair enough. Maybe, maybe I'll see more as we go along in the episode. Maybe once we get to their like city council, and it's just all those discs that uh, that one general was throwing around. Maybe they're riding around on those and all that. Ah, uh, yes, in the Senate with all the yes, the <laughs> the procedure discs or whatever you want to call it. Well, but this upper ring definitely does look pretty. I bet they got a lot of cool uh, like bending golf courses. <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to uh, visit there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I wonder if Earth Rumble six or seven is 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 coming by. That'd be awesome. Oh, I don't know if they'd let the firebending man through uh, immigration there. I think they'd be like, nah, no. Oh no, 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 no. That's that's so terrible. That's so prejudiced. Uh, <laughs> even though he's a sandbender, but I guess they, I guess they don't see sandbenders as earthbenders. That's terrible. Um, at Oh six oh five, or sorry, oh six fifty five. Uh, we get a shot of Katara's head in the foreground. In the background, we have a um, a door frame, not door frame, but a big opening, mm. and we see three dudes. We see three buds, and apparently, it was either this shot or the previous shot where uh, when Michael and Brian went to uh, the Forbidden City in China. They got a lot of references for that here, and so they modeled a lot of the stuff off the Forbidden City uh, on uh, some of these this this Earth King uh, or this Bowsing Say Palace, which I think makes sense. So apparently there are doors that only the Emperor can go through, and then everybody else has to go through another one. Oh, interesting. That's cool. Yes. Well. Is that cool? Cool that they that they went there. It's <laughs> more what I meant. Yes, went there. Is that cool or is that reality just classism? Oh, that's some classes. Classism, yeah. Uh, there you go. I'm sure he's got his own private bathroom too that no one else is allowed to use. Yeah, you know. Like, come on, let, let someone else use that bathroom. Yeah, whereas everybody else uses the street as their bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. But anyway, yeah. So we see uh, an introduction to, I guess, a new faction of benders the uh dai li but yeah the dai li hmm these guys are wearing all all black they got those pointy hats they got some sort of weird green symbol on them yeah they seem a little 
and they seem like they got a suspicious eye. Like I wouldn't want to walk into that alley and run into them. I'd be like, oh crap, is this a gang? <laughs> What's going on there? Yeah, well, yeah, that's exactly. And they're eyeing them. Uh, and so they ask, you know, persistently, Sokka and Katara and everybody keep asking Judy at any point of like, can we see the Earth King? Because in previous episodes, every episode you can think of, uh, they have pretty much just avoided and gone straight to the big cheese, whoever's in charge. And so they're just like, well, no different than here. But as Toph mentioned, what the city also has not just walls, but rules. Rules, yeah. Rules and, of course, Regulation. regulations. <laughs> yes, and bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. And paperwork. And long lines and long delays. So much paperwork, in fact, that the request for seeing the Earth King, being a busy aficionado, of course, is taking a month just to go through. Yep. All the red tape. Oh, boy. Yeah, he's, you know, he, he's really working hard to ignore that war effort. You know, he's, he's uh, planning parties and yeah, uh, tracking down uh, permits to get a bear in there into the city. He's fast tracking that stuff. But the, the Avatar, uh, screw Avatars. <laughs> yeah, we don't need, we don't like their kind. They yeah. aren't allowed in here. You got to take them outside. Mm hmm. Would not be surprised. But we end uh, right before the end of the commercial break. We have, well, let's just say we have a new residency uh, for these characters. In fact, uh, it turns out that these are characters that don't need parents, are pretty much self-sufficient on their own, which is cool. And now they have a house to themselves. Every millennial, Gen uh, Xer, or sorry, Gen Z and Zoomer and Alpha are hating your guts right now because <laughs> yeah, that's what they want well of course they'd want to be self-sufficient and the fact have a house given to them for free and i don't know if they have to pay taxes on that thing or not or if they have a mortgage yeah is there a landlord because we all know how they feel about landlords oh boy and as someone who's dealt with a lot of scummy landlords i feel a similar way <laughs> yeah, perish the thought but anyway yes they all um they are shown their new house and this will be a thing that we will see for the next few episodes and maybe mm. later. Hey, spoilers. <laughs> hey, spoilers. Oh, but I like, uh, we get a little shot of, uh, Momo. He's eating out of some sort of feeding trough that he just came across. He's like, Oh, free food. Let me jump in. Let me start eating this. But it turns out that rude Momo, he didn't realize he was stealing somebody else's food and, you know, food isn't easy to come by here, so this little owl cat comes in and spooks him away. Now, I like that piece of animation. Owl cat, I think, is a great uh, design choice. Yeah, of course. Now, this all happens, of course, uh, before... Uh, what led to this was that um, Aang, the first thing Aang wanted to do was go find Appa, which makes sense. And so uh, Aang... Or they, they, yeah, Aang's like, let's go out. But unfortunately, it seems that they need a guy, not just a guide, but they need a supervisor. Mm. They need an adult to watch them or else they'll get lost because that's the worst thing to do. You don't know where you don't know which way north is. You don't know where like which way the ocean is. So you can't find the running water. Um, you'll end up like, you know, in a labyrinth maze if you 
you know, go in the outer ring. Like, it's terrible. These guys need their hands hold, or held, excuse me, the entire time. Wow, I mean, thought. you know, Toph is their uh, their guide there. I mean, how are they going to find anywhere with her? So, oh my I mean, <laughs> hey, they're the ones, they, they make the blind jokes. I can throw in one or two every now and again as well. Jeez. I say no to that, sir, personally speaking. <laughs> no, that's fair. Um, I think this pet store owner, Bud, was apparently played by Brian Kunitzko's neighbor. Okay, okay. He's like, I have no idea. I think that's what he said in the commentary. I, I don't, I don't remember now. It's been a while since I watched it. So, yeah, he was like, uh, "Can you pick up my mail and any packages that come to the door while I'm in China? I'll give you this role in this episode." <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, you know, they're asking, oh, you know, have you heard anything about stolen animals? Where's the black market here? And of course, there's that old Judy in the background, you know, she's using her sweat bending to uh, get the guy to get <laughs> get the guy all sweaty. And she's using her charm to uh, defer him and get him away from the situation and uh, redirect but he redirects in the best way possible in saying that Momo is causing a disturbance for the other animals, which, you know, he's actually right. Like, he's not a jerk or anything like that. He is kind of right. Like, Momo should at least, you know, know his, not know his place, but like mind his manners and learn to share as well. He's stealing. He's stealing those guys' food. And I love that shot of them, like, attacking. And he's just, he's still going at it. He's like, I can't help myself. I need food. <laughs> I love the, I love the uh, pleasures of the flesh. What can I say? <laughs> Yeah, him and Iroh, they'd be best buddies. Totally. Yeah, and here's that uh, that student that we meet seen at the Boston State University. Now we already kind of discussed that. Is there any other little dangling threads for that one? I like his glasses, I guess I could say. The spectacles seem cool. Yeah, he's got... Uh, it connects on both sides. It's like uh, like goggles, like he's swimming. You better be careful there, bud. Uh, if you don't, don't trip or anything like that and get a scar on your head least you could do is like get it make it in the shape of a lightning bolt we don't want that now <laughs> oh you know actually that's why he's got the uh the goggle glasses because he's so clumsy if he's wearing regular glasses they would break all the time on him the only thing is is that like this kid apparently would be in slytherin even though they're not wearing silver they're wearing yellow so it's a weird combination between slytherin and hufflepuff so i'm a little confused by that but oh well hey uh is it goyle the kind of uh, dumber one of uh, Malfoy's gang. He made it into... Which uh, one are we talking about? Like, I'm pretty sure, like, both of them were kind of... Yeah, in I think... Styles. Yeah, I think Crab was maybe supposed to be the dumber one. But they are both, yeah, kind of dumb, so... Well, let's see. If one's name is Crab and the other's Goyle, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> that they got in due to nepotism. That's pretty much all of Slytherin, apparently. <laughs> That's fair, but... um. Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, Judy, she's she's getting really tired of straining her face and making those smiles. You know, she she's not sleeping well anyway with this living under this dictatorship. So she's got to turn in early dictatorship. What do you say? What are you saying? Oh, I, I meant uh, uh, kingship, king, uh, uh, kingdom reign. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard performing all these royal duties. There you go. Yeah, that she has to perform. <laughs> yeah, intimidation, harassment, guides that stuff <laughs> exactly so she she turns in and she's like someone will be over to bring you dinner but you know don't cause any mischief and just try to relax and unfortunately the first person that they see they're like okay let's go cause some mischief let's let's harass this guy he looks pretty scared snoop 
We're going to sleuth and snoop him and prime for questions. All the stuff like, uh, I forget his name, but like, hey, you, we got questions. Uh, hopefully nobody's watching us. Although he's he's spooked, basically. He's like, ah, I just got this got this house, man. It took me for y- years and years, but I know you're the avatar. That's pretty cool. So I'll give you at least some like info of what's going on. You gotta, you gotta go. They gotta do the beat in the street, man. They gotta like be, um, like good old uh, disco Godfather, right? Yeah, he hits the streets just to get on the beaten path and see like what's going down. Talk. Like, why aren't they doing that? <laughs> talk, talk. Momo jumps on him and starts punching him right in the face. <laughs> He's my nephew. What have you done to him? <laughs> I like a toss little line. I can feel you shaking. I just like the way she said that. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, come on. Well, how is this not Disco Godfather? <laughs> He's like, I'm just a minor government official. But yeah, no, I like that little scene of them, like, yeah, playing basically all bad cop, but they're just not even being all that bad. <laughs> He's still spooked. <laughs> just interrogating, just being like, yo, what's going on here? Yeah, he tells them, don't talk about the war. Don't talk about or don't uh, meet up with the Dai Li. Don't avoid those guys. Yeah. They're like extra bad cops, L.A. cops. See no war, hear no war. I, 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 I see no war. I hear, I see nothing, nothing. I see, I hear, I do, I say nothing. And speaking of uh, seeing or potentially uh, voyeurism, oh. we see that, uh, yeah, Jet. He's got a real, you know, someone's got to do an intervention on this guy because he's he's peeping in in their window, hiding behind some. Uh, I'd mind some laundry and he's even been in their house and like stealing their stuff. I mean, who knows what he's doing in there? Dude, how, when did this turn into perfect blue? Like, <laughs> holy smokes. This is, this is like guys like broken into their house. So that's, um, breaking and entering. He stole like, and he like stole stuff as well. Yeah. Like stole possession as well. So theft. not to mention he's been, uh, distributing these flyers that he calls Zuko's room. That's the really strange part. <laughs> what do you think that is in this world, by the way? Like, just a group session? Uh, it's... it's I, I assume so. It's writing like a newsletter that you just like, oh, put in the town square. <laughs> so is it public? Like, does, do they all meet at, like, the town hall and talk privately, or do they meet in, like, a secret place and just, like, talk about Zuko and spread misinformation about him? Probably secret. Yeah, probably the, <sighs> the alleys that uh, the Dai Li aren't occupying at the time. Oh, golly. They <laughs> even talk about, like, you know, his his scar. and be like, I hear if you, like, feel it, like, run your fingers along his face, the side of his face, like, slowly enough, you actually can feel his dad burn uh, the side of oh his my face God, off. They'll be like, like, 7 o'clock every morning, he puts some lotion on it so it doesn't peel. But either way, yeah, Jet, he, uh, he, the reason he was sneaking into their house was to steal their uh, spark rocks. Because he wanted to get uh, Zuko's attention, of course. So he's like, fine, I'll go f- out and find them. And that would leave Uncle Iroh to just, you know, quickly firebend uh, the tea or the, the pot of tea. Um, mm-hmm. on, get, get it warm. Um, but unfortunately, uh, and we see, you know, Jet having it in his hands. And it, it turns out that, well... Iroh, you know, asked his neighbors for some, I guess, fire starters. How nice of them. Yeah, and unfortunately, Zuko, I mean, it was the wrong thing to take because Zuko didn't care at all. He's like, spark rocks, whatever. I just want to sit on this couch. I'm just going to sit here and mope and be in my feels. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah, it's a real mistake. 
on uh, Jet's part. Jet, what do you even see in him? Like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, he's mopey. He's got a little bit of a grumpy disp- uh, disposition. Yeah, well, well, who, who? It takes all kinds, you know. You know what? That's fair. Like, uh, if uh, Biko loves Seiko and Project Aiko, then like, I think anything's possible. <laughs> Is that Pig Latin? What was that? <laughs> You'll see one day. Don't worry. Oh, but then we we cut back to Katara, and she she's all excited. She's uh, you know, she's a little bit of a. Uh, I was gonna think of, I was gonna say something unpolite. Early bird catches the worm. <laughs> Yeah, let's go with that. And taking uh, that mantra from like I don't remember, I think it was either previous book or one of the episodes prior where like Sokka got up early to like go hunting or something like that. I don't know. It's, it's the next day because either I'm pretty sure it's the next day. Yeah, because it was nighttime when we saw Glyro and Zuko, so I assume it's daytime now for them. Anyway, she gets the morning paper and she quickly skims it and is just like one surprises everybody uses the same language, which is fine. Uh, but two, she comes to realization uh, about how they can get into said uh, to see the king sooner. Yeah, and I like when she comes into the room, just the, the animation of them all laid out. Like Sokka's got his legs straight on the wall. Aang's like relaxed on a banister and Katoff just looks like she's like meditating. Yeah, that was one thing that Kanitsuko had said and was a little excited about, which I, I understand why, uh, is that, you know, we have these world-traveling kids and they're finally just, you know, they have to, like, stay down for, like, a few days. Uh, and or they, they finally have a place to s- sit and or, like, stay. And you kind of get, like, you know, their positions kind of show their mood and or their personality, if that makes sense. Which is odd for Toph, given that she likes to, you know, be up and and doing stuff. But <laughs> and same with uh, Ang, as well. But yeah, that's that's fair. I guess he can't really practice earthbending here, because given that it might cause a lot of property damage, and we don't want to go into that. Yeah, that's fair. Well, who cares about property damage in this place? So just be like, oh well, someone will be along to clean that up. Uh, but did you like the uh, the little bear scene here when? She announces that this party is to, uh, is it just to celebrate, like, the, the purchase of his this bear? Hear ye, hear ye. The king is celebrating uh, the, either uh, having a festival, uh, having a celebration for in honor of his bear. Like, or is it his birthday or is it just his, like, uh, anniversary when you got him? Did you just get, no, it's just we're having a celebration for the bear. I wish Pinkie Pie to, like, you know, go nuts and, you know start planning the party the best party ever um but they're all a little confused because they're like bear what bear skunk bear platypus bear um armadillo bear and then two others i forgot (laughs) and guitars is like bear so anyways even though uh you know this is a party uh Toph's just like nah none of you are getting in it's like excuse me listen y'all might be country folk or backwater folk. i don't even know hillbillies at this point hmm. um but like at this point you can't go into one of these things looking like that you have to have proper etiquette as she says picking her nose getting you know finding gold and like shooting it up at the ceiling which at 12 o'clock literally 12 minutes you can see Sokka pointing to it 
setup note what's going to happen in a few minutes i hope none of you are eating or drinking because it's about to get gross and nauseating oh no maybe i don't remember which scene you mean oh oh her picking her nose yeah yep. digging for gold finds a nugget throws it away and it just is like hanging precariously there on the ceiling waiting to for gravity to take hold of it yeah i did think that was a particularly gross moment for Toph. you don't usually get that kind of uh yeah, I was like, oh boy. <laughs> so anyways, uh, we have Aang here uh, being like, what are you talking about etiquette? I'm the Avatar. Of course I'm going to have etiquette. I was taught manners back in the day. Why, of course I have. Takes a, um, takes a good old cloak from the, <laughs> from a curtain over there. Takes a curtain, makes a cloak out of it, and then is like, you know, addressing his humble subjects or all his uh, friends and speaking in a very pompous voice. And after that, of course, you know, addressing Momo and Sokka and they begin a little routine of bowing to each other before smacking heads. Ouch. And uh, yeah, no Toph basically ratting them or uh, calling them out saying like, ah, oh, y'all are just going to like be like bus boys at that. Mm-hmm. Whereas Katara and I, we have, we at least have some charm to us. I will show you how we can get in like that. Afterwards, she, you know, reduces them and stay, uh, you know, kind of rebukes them for even thinking of trying to like get in and pose as members of high society. At 1233 or 32, whatever, Sokka found gold. <laughs> <laughs> oh no gold landed right on Sokka's forehead yeah and I like his little his expression when that happens too I think that's pretty fun it's just like I have to have a shower like <laughs> come on oh but I did like them playing the, the roles of uh, oh, Momo of the uh, I can't remember what he said but I thought that was a cute little cute little bit of uh, voice acting on uh... oh I can't remember his name right now <laughs> uh, Zach Tyler Zach Tyler there you go yeah, I thought they played that scene very well. And, um, you know, both those buds did a great job. Momo did an excellent job. Good animation on them. And uh, we cut away. It's now evening. So a full day of going to the spa and or going to the beauty salon and getting all the makeup ready. And oh. <laughs> nine, nine, ten and a half hours later, several rock, uh, rock baths, um, about three olympic sized swimming pools of water and uh several rotunds and a bit of seal meat later we have the results of Toph and Katara going to the party yeah and uh yeah definitely uh spoilers for the next episode i think this makeup job looks a, a heck of a lot better on Toph than uh in the spa day they have in that episode, they definitely went to the cheaper spa. And that's uh, Tales of Bossing Say. 1243, ladies and gentlemen, those in between and affiliated, they look pretty cool. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> and same with Katara. I think her makeup there looks like rather dazzling. In fact, Aang himself also feels a little bit overtaken by his emotions mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. 
I really wish she was wearing his betrothed necklace, but of course she can't <laughs> for cultural reasons. But of course, as he gives her compliments, as he should, uh, as they both deserve compliments, they're very wonderful. Uh, finally dressed, uh, Top's like, please, Katara, with her fan. We do not speak to these peasants. Mm. Why mm. are you doing this? Why? Um, they're just playing but a game of rock, air, fire, water. As, you know, Aang knocks Sokka in the forehead. Or flicks him, excuse me. Yeah, and my, my favorite part of that scene is Momo at the end, walking with his little robe. I think that's just so cute. <laughs> oh no, the power's gone to his head. Yeah, I love that bit. You all must bow to me, peasants, bow. I'm no dancing lemur. You are. <laughs> oh, but um, yeah, as they as they head off to that little uh, little party festivities. Yeah, someone else is is hiding in the the shadows in his own little festivities. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe we've gone this far with this. So anyway, yeah, he's in his dark corner again, looking, stalking out for Zuko. Sitting on a, uh, well, actually, he's not sitting on anything. No, he's standing. You know what? I'm not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> and so he's just staring right at the tea shop, still with that piece of straw in his mouth. Oh, he's chewing extra hard these days. <laughs> oh, he's he's chewing a lot harder these Yeah, you know, you're not wrong, man. He's getting all the calcium there. Yeah, he's also, he's he's overcome a change. He's starting to look a lot more uh, anime-ish in this scene for whatever reason. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. Interesting. <laughs> Didn't think of that, but. Yeah, but Smeller B and Longshot, they, they come on, they're like, Chad, like, we're getting really concerned. You know, we've we've been talking to this great rehab shop. You know, we've been, we even got you a room booked. Like, maybe you should uh, come away from this obsession and try to get some help. But that's that's the last thing I need to hear. That's what really flips him over the edge. And he's like, I've had enough of this hiding. It's time for me to go and profess my love. Like I'm, I'm calling him out. Like that's it. You guys have given me like all the, all the confidence to do this. Like, thanks for telling me about like the time you guys, you know, went and helped that, you know, new couple with their with their new baby and whatnot. You've just <laughs> me and me and Zuko, we're gonna have a baby. Like, let's go. It's gotta, it's gotta start somewhere. And as uh, I think most people would say, that's a terrible place to start. But even still, he he presses forward, and he yeah he kicks down the door, and he declares, uh, he he starts saying something weird about firebenders. I didn't know what he was talking about during that scene. I I don't know, Zuko, like fire with any form of plant, wood, or any other material that burns easily. You're gonna be my husband. Let's go. And, and... then both of them just stare like, completely like, what? what yeah and you'll have to explain what happens after that because yeah now i'm lost i'm confused <laughs> so one minute uh, uncle iroh's serving tea to everybody he's serving tea to like these two soldiers or at least you know policemen officials whatever you want to call it maybe security i don't know um and he's getting compliments from him, like this is the best tea in the city uh, this is best tea in the city i've ever had and the their boss is like i think you deserve a promotion he's like yes things are going so well <laughs> zuko's just doing he's he's going through the motions he's just doing the mundane stuff he's like all right whatever like i'm yeah. seeing uncle happy is like maybe not making me happy but it's at least nice to see that he's doing he's feeling happy and whatnot even though i'm still stuck in my feels um and then of course this guy 
comes in and he's just like Zuko's first in uh, first reaction. I'm sorry. Do I know you? Oh wow, that's the biggest insult you could imagine. And Jet does not take this seriously. It's just like look at that look at that scar on you. It's like you were attacked by a firebender. And the security guys are just like or police guys are just like firebender. What these guys aren't firebenders? Where did you get that? No, I didn't say that. I just said like you just said that they're firebenders. How dare you? They're just they're tea servers. Mm, like mm. very humble, like like hum, salt of the earth guys. Like what are you talking about? You come in here accusing them of being firebenders. That's not what I said. I have the hots for this guy. The hot. You think that like this, this these men are are hot and they're 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 firebenders. Like oh, this is this has gone mm. way too far. Like what are you, what are you talking about? I'm hot on their trail. Like okay, listen, buddy, are you a firebender? Like what what's going on here? You're accusing them of being firebenders, but like, really, the only person that has firebending written all over their face is you. Oh, so that's yeah, that's why Zuko attacks. I was wondering why he was bringing up the firebender thing and what was going on there. All makes sense now. <laughs> and so, even though Zuko clearly is in the right, he has like, uh, how many we got here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10 because that one guy disappeared in the background. I don't know why the guy he stole the broadswords from or borrowed that broadswords from. And then uncle Iroh and the tea maker um, or tea shop owner. He has at least 12 eyewitnesses to what happened. He could easily just talk it out and be like, I don't understand what you're, where these accusations are coming from. This is ridiculous. And he could just have like all the, you know, uh, army or police guys go after Jeff. No, instead he's like, I'll be direct. And, you know, borrows the guy's broadswords and is like, I don't know what you're talking about. What about me? If you have the hots for me or whatnot, but like, I don't know you dude. So like, yeah, let's, but you know what? I've been, I've been itching for like to, to fight somebody. So I, I need to really there hit something. Go. So I'm going to hit you. And so he throws a table at him. <laughs> As Chop Sawyer would say. A big fight in, ensues, and we get a weird freeze frame moment, which again felt uh, a little anime inspired. It didn't uh, necessarily feel like a part of this episode in the same way. <laughs> freeze frame. I was like, like oh. oh. <laughs> it's just like, you know, um, Q roundabout by yes, to be continued. Yeah, that, that should have popped up on screen, yeah. And we, we cut over to the fancy ball. You know, we see all these these people. The women are dressed very nice. The men are dressed very not nice. I don't know what's going on with them and their their uniforms that they wear. Are they all military guys, or is that just the preferred uh, style? We like to have no necks. We we here at the Earth Kingdom believe, or at Bossing Say believe that no Earthbender should have a neck, and every man should wear a hat. Yeah, they should have only the. Oh wait a minute, I'm not gonna go there. Never mind. Yeah, let's. Uh, but either way, uh, Katara and 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 uh, Toph pop up next in line, and the guys like, "You're short. Where's your man? Where's your family? Oh, Get out of line!" Just like, like, sir, we're together. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, we're together. So, like, can you let us in? It's like, can I see your passport? No, 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 not that passport. Your other passport, like her passport. Oh, we don't have one. Well, you can't get in then. Yeah, and then they make them step out of line, and yeah, Toph and Katara are like, oh crap, Like, how can we deceive them into letting us into this party? And so they grab the first man that they see, 
which ends up being um, some quite bad luck, as we'll uh, discover as the episode goes on. How does that even make sense? He seems like a like a decently like fine dressed, finely dressed fellow. Seems quite well, adequate and whatnot, but well, we'll find out if you if you're not wearing a hat in uh, Boston, say, and then you're likely a criminal. So. Oh. Interesting. So we'll see how this this goes. <laughs> but anyway, they get inside uh, with no, oh golly, they get inside without like any uh, resistance, and uh, they they blow raspberries at the uh, the bouncer there. Yeah, just doing his job. Yep. Yep. No, just doing his didn't job. Didn't have a choice. Was didn't have a choice, and we got a quick shot of like you know the the ballroom and the the banquet hall. Excuse me. Very eloquently designed. I I very much like it. It's beautifully designed wonderful again shows off royalty screams royalty exudes it all out which is nice and um speaking of exuding wild energy and big energy we have at like 1601 ladies and gentlemen those between unaffiliated meet bosco uh which time stamp 1601 meet bosco the bear that's bosco Oh, interesting. Oh, that's the, the bear's and, name? Yes, that's the bear's name. Oh, okay. Name. According, yeah, they said in the commentary, this is Bosco. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, Bear Co. <laughs> and can I just say that every time he's on screen, I want to cry. Oh, interesting. I don't I don't know why, what it is. Like, maybe it's because he's just so domesticated and he doesn't, like, act like a bear. Mm. But he, he literally just looks like a... Like him dressed in that clothing, like I'm not saying is de- like you could say is degrading and you know demoralizing and you know treating animals as like pets in the worst case you could see, but at the same time, like he's just so adorable and like so <laughs> innocent. I just I, I wanna I wanna get a, get get a hug from him. Like I'm just I'm starting to like <laughs> oh no I'm starting to feel onions right now, man. Like hey, who left this bowl of onions in here? <laughs> Oh no! You're falling into the, uh, yeah, the spell of these uh, these domesticators. They put their hat on him in a nice little outfit, and suddenly you're like, "Oh, he's so cute! I want to hug him." When really he's just like, "I just want to eat something," you know. And if they're gonna give me food, I guess I'll be okay. But if they don't give me food, I'll scratch their faces off. Pretty much. I mean, he, he doesn't seem to like you know want to hurt anybody, but it's just. Oh, that's because he's heavily sedated. Oh, that's oh, maybe I should have that out. No, please note. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my! Yeah, this episode's gone a lot further than uh, most of our episodes uh, do. Yeah, but I I do enjoy Bosco. Yeah, uh, even if like, even if I'm a little sad at his like you know, his lot in life. Where you know, I'm not saying I want him to fully be an animal again, but like. You know, just just be like that self-aware animal who's not completely like you know, um, reliant, and or like fully been domesticated and heavily reliant on others taking care of him, mm. rather than being like you know self. So it's like you always want a meet uh, point in the middle where there's like self-reliance against reliance. Yeah, yeah, that is the that is the very unfortunate. Uh kind of disease of domestication is once it's kind of hereditary and these these animals have been bred to be so reliant on humans i mean there's not really a lot of easy ways to to go back for them so that is the the real hideous side of it but moving away from from that more depressing yes. note um we see ang and and uh Sokka 
and they're like, oh, you know, we, we feel really left out by this party. You know, we for, we also forgot our drapes that we were going to wear as our fancy dress clothes. So how are we going to get in here? And they happen to know some busboys. And even though you'd think that they might be like, oh, like we, we feel bad that Toph kind of uh, dressed us down and told us that we'd fit in with with those guys. No, they're they're still wide eyed and happy. Like, OK, yeah, the, well, we can fit in with those guys. Let's let's go and try that out. We certainly know our lot in life. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh, by the way, 1651. If that's not an adorable image of Osaka and Momo, I don't know what is. Yes, with the Momo hat. Yeah, I love that. No, 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 1651. Oh, 51. Oh, yeah, 51. When he's like holding him. <laughs> he's just so droopy and whatnot and being held up like, you know, you would hold a, hold a cat up, <laughs> which might also be degrading and hurtful to the cat. Which is always why you know support their 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 legs, mm. their hind legs, excuse me, uh, so that they, you know they get support. But like even still, like that squishy Momo right there, that's just that's super adorable. Yeah, and they got a, a lot of good mileage in Momo in this episode. A lot of really cute moments for him. And yes, the the Momo hat at like seventeen oh four is once again like <laughs> perfect. Although I'm surprised he stuck with. Sokka, uh, or he stuck with, he went to Aang instead of Sokka, but whatever. Like you'll, We'll see with that in a minute. And also, just to mention, you missed a bit where as Katara and Toph get inside the hall, uh, they they try to ditch their chaperone, but it turns out he's a bit of a uh, hard sell, and he kind of almost seems like he, because he's just like, hey, where are your parents at? Like, I want to, you, know, you, you were saying like, I want to get you back to where your parents were. Cause that was, that was what like happened and why you got separated from them. And they're like, Oh, they're over here. We'll, we'll, we'll go see them. He's like, I'm, I insist. I must help you get to your destination. It'd be so rude of me to leave you guys, um, unwatched and unsupervised. Yeah. And we'll pick up on what happens there. But first we have to, uh, jump back to the battle. Yeah. Sokka and jet, I mean, Jet is still impassioned. This is, in his mind, it, it, the last, uh, it's either this or rehab. He's got to find a way to win Zuko during this fight. He's like, oh, Zuko, you know, he, he enjoyed the fight of the, us stealing that food together. Maybe he'll, maybe I'll impress him and he'll be like, wow, this, this Jet, he really is worth something. So he's fighting his heart out here. Oh, dude, like he's fought his, he's fighting his heart out so much. Like he draws his hook swords out. Like he draws out these long sticks and they, you know, they fight, they fight, they fight. It's a really nice back and forth between the two. Uh, I do wonder who is the more skilled of the, of the two. Um, but at the same time, I again, I feel like Zuko doesn't need to do this because he has multiple eyewitnesses of like he is on the like he should learn. This should be like a learning a lesson learned from even Uncle Iroh teaching him like, hey, there's no need to like confront this guy, like let the proper authorities handle it until of course jet becomes like too erratic and, you know, does start beating, <laughs> does start beating all the jobbers before the daily show up. And mm. then he intervenes only when like he needs to, instead of just, you know, immediately like, okay, I haven't hit something in like a while. Um, <laughs> I need to get out my anger. So like, let's go. So I kind of wish he would have done that instead, but whatever. Yeah, and we'll move away from them for a while as we cut back to the party. And 
Yeah, Sokka and, and Aang. Yeah, they they don't blend in as well. You know, they're they're a little shorter than the usual guards. Aang's got his bit of tattoos poking through, and not not to mention his big rat tail, almost tail sticking out of his hat, because Momo's sitting on his head. So so Toph, uh, even though she's blind, she can pick them out pretty immediately. So what does that tell you about the rest of them? Yeah, what she's of course she says, "Aren't you a little short to be a busboy?" Yeah, <laughs> I like that too. Toph's always good for a, a, a slight, slightly insulting line. Um, but yeah, then Katara kind of updates them on, oh crap, you know, this guy that we tricked to get us in here. Now he won't leave us alone. This this guy, man, he just, he wants to be so honorable. Like, what's wrong with him? Yeah, this chaperone is like chaperoning us too much. Like, we, he's got to stop. And Sokka's just like, what chaperone? And they look yeah, behind him and like, oh. Oh, and also, uh... Then afterwards, you know, as they're like, oh, what's going on? Uh, Judy shows up and she's she's having a panic. She's having a moment of panic. It's like, hey, hey, what are you guys doing here? This You cannot be here. What's going on? This was not part of the plan. It's the first time we've seen her not smiling. Now she's all wor- all worriedness. She's not in control. Yeah. And then she goes and just like she pushes Sokka or you know she's trying to like get Sokka to you know cooperate and a little struggle happens and Aang ends up throwing a bunch of water onto a poor lady I don't know poor lady but just you know another yeah, woman rich lady. and rich lady a rich lady who you know may not have needed that but whatever maybe she was a scumbag to her servants I have no idea exactly <laughs> we don't know and yeah pretty much ruined like a bad hair day, a bad makeup day. It's a, she's a disaster, and so Ang just like, okay, hang on, I'll um, I'll air dry you, and she, he air dries her. Takes it rather well, though. I gotta say. Yeah, I mean, once she realizes the avatar, it, it inspires an impromptu uh, performance. It's a little avatar concert. And then, right as as like she points out, like, oh, it's the avatar, and as soon as like. Uh, they all like the crowd all turns we see judy and like she first time we see her frown yeah like that smile turns upside down and she's like uh oh i'm dead yeah and then we get um we cut back to the zuko or i i guess i should say um sokka takes this opportunity like okay they everyone's distracted by ang let me go have my little council with the king Pretty much like I'll go find him and uh, go go see him. And can I just say that I think Aang has stepped up his little like. Um, yeah, it's Avatar stage show. Prestidigitation act. There we oh. go. His, oh. uh, where, you know, he had that little like air marble before, which is really cool on Kyoshi Island, which I wish he brought back. That was so cool. Uh, and then he does this cool thing with waterbending, which is awesome. He takes all the drinks, which I assume like are colored. Oh, I love that. I wonder if that means anything. And, uh, you know, d- there's a dazzling display of multitude of colors. It's it's the wonderful world of colors from Disney, like right in front of everybody, which is honestly pretty cool. I'd love to see a waterbender uh, w- world of color. Like, could you oh, imagine that? Like, it's Cirque to Avatar. If we have like, you know, the, the Fire uh, Nation uh, circus, I want to see what like a waterbending circus or Flip, could you imagine what like Cirque du Soleil could do if they were waterbenders? <laughs> yeah, that's why I said Cirque to Avatar. Oh, there you go. But I don't <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, even then, like if, if Cirque du Soleil did like an Avatar performance, like both James Cameron's Avatar and then like Last Airbender. Oh, but just because we're running out of time here, let's quickly cut back to uh, 
uh, Zuko and Jet, and we get this kind of shot spinning around them as they fight, which looks very familiar to me. I don't know which movies have used this same shot, but it was definitely uh, definitely reminiscent of something. <laughs> so uh, that shot in reference, by the way, uh, it's pretty much a one take, which I think they did a good job. I think you'll probably agree that they did a good yep. job like with the animation on the one take. But they... Um, they, uh, it was Sifu Kisu and Brian Kanitsko in, in like the courtyard of Nickelodeon, apparently filming the reference for this. Oh, cool. Um, so it came from somewhere, but yeah, as, as, uh, you know, uh, uh Michael asks Brian's like, uh, who, who won those like, you know, little sparring matches. And of course, Brian's like, well, of course, Sifu Kisu. And I, I got the blunt end of the stick on that one. <laughs> I mean that he probably like got hit a bunch of times, but you know, so really nice. You know, I don't know what shot you would call that. Is it just like a rotating shot? I don't know. I don't know what to call that, but okay, because it's it's not just used in in like f- a fight scene, like a action scene, or at least a f- hand to hand combat scene. But it's also used in like other mm-hmm. yeah normal scenes. Like I know you won't know this yet, but in like Pat Labor One, the movie, uh, there's a very like similar scene with that. Although it's just like a character's reaction, and it's mm. like three sixty, but like. It technically was a 360 shot but yeah i just love the clang of the swords back and forth um it would be interesting if they were in the in behind like the well or something but whatever um and then the daily show up yeah i was just about to say yeah this is this is the end of the the fight like the daily arrive and and everybody's against jet no one's no one's coming to his aid Longshot and smeller b are probably hiding in the shadows as well they're like oh crap like he's really jumped the shark here like we don't know what to do for this guy, so let's just leave him. The uh, I love I love how like the soldiers tell uh, Daily, it's like yeah, one of the best makers. Uh, yeah, they, they assaulted this man, one of the best team makers in the city, and Uncle Iroh just blushes. Like, I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> and of course, you know, yeah, Jack gets you know, uh, is like you can't take me away from this man. I love the I am in love with this man. Dang it! And it's just like Daily are like, uh, sir. You're you're assaulting this man. We, we don't care about your what your uh, preferences for a person. Just you're you're still assaulting this man. Like, calm down, sir. Yeah, and worse, he's screaming about firebenders again. He's like, "Me and him are gonna kill all the firebenders together. We're gonna take on the firebenders in the war." And so that's even more reason for the daily to be like, "Okay, he's talking about stuff we don't want to talk about." It's like, "Wait, firebender! I hear this guy's a firebender." Like, so, like in the crowd, like, I heard, "Firebender! I heard this guy's a firebender. He's a firebender. He's a firebender. This man's a firebender in disguise." This is exactly why the daily need to control this kind of language because it spreads fear. So we'll find out very quickly what happens to uh, Jet due to this encounter here. Taken away and restrained in a very interesting way he threw he like slashes one of his one of his hook swords at the daily but they literally do the hand catch like the blade catch basically the blade block but it's one-handed turns out they have uh, a little addition to their uh to themselves they uh, have literal like you know hand gloves uh made out of rock and then they uh convert said gloves into hand cuffs Oh, it's very clever. It's very and then clever. throw him in the paddy wagon or whatever it's called. And um, so that was a cool setup scene for what's going to come next. So we 
flip back to the party. And instead of it being a party from Dishonored or a party from Friendship is Magic, we instead are seeing... I love all the shots of the like background characters, by the way. I think it's just they're all uniquely designed. They don't seem to have the same face. Every now and so again, once once again, thank you for the artists who uh, animated this and you know drew this. I think they did a fantastic job. Your efforts yeah. are worth it, and thank you very much. I hope you were compensated. Yeah, we we haven't really commented, but I think there is a lot of great animation in this. But anyway, the king has arrived. Everybody is watching. The king has arrived. Yeah, he's hidden behind a veil. He's standing stock like he's made out of wax. So what does that mean? And and Aang. He's still he his performance has been a little bit guided towards his favorite uh his favorite of the audience, the one who's giving in the most uh googly eyes. And that's Bosco the Bear. Yep. Like he he's got this bubble routine going on and the bear's just loving it. But once he sees the king, he's like, Okay, I better shoot over to him. He's my new patron. And he swings across the table and almost wipes out some food that these uh, these poor rich rich attendees are uh, eating. So, so Aang's got to watch his manners. Which they uh, which they uh, rolled a good. Uh, they passed their uh, reflex save and uh, managed to get the, everything out in time in one piece. There you go. There you go. Yep. Yeah, that's what they teach you in in, in bossing. Say you always got to watch out for your for your food because you never know when a, a bear is just going to storm through and grab it or an avatar. It was technically an avatar, but yeah, you're right in this case. You never know when a wild animal or somebody else is going to like grab your food. So you always got to have your reflex save uh, pretty high, uh, which I believe is dexterity. So you always got to yeah, got to up your dexterity mod. <laughs> yeah, but um, as Aang is going over to uh, and Sokka as well, Sokka's like, oh crap, my chance is here. Both of them get nabbed up by the Daily again with their creepy, uh, creepy little hand gloves. Same with Katar and Toph. So, yeah, all of a sudden, like, you know, I don't know where the Daily show up and start taking names. They start taking everybody, uh, or at least these these five. Um, yeah, even Momo. Grab Sokka and <laughs> get to him. Okay, how does Toph not sense their, detect their presence? Well, I mean, she probably just thought they were marching in to bring the the king in like i'm sure there's people everywhere in the party it'd be difficult to pinpoint uh which ones are enemies or which ones are just party goers i mean that's fair given that like when she fought all those earthbenders she like created a sand or dust stream to like i guess single them out each one so i guess like again yeah kind of just to you know sift through each <laughs> like if this were a video game, she would have like a lock on system. So she has to like manually like go through each <laughs> target. Um, whatever. I'm just going to like question whether or not that was, that made sense or not. Uh, but anyway, yeah, she gets nabbed. Katara obviously gets nabbed as well after being like, Hey, where'd Toph go? And then just as Aang is about to like, you know, impress uh, the earth King with like something, you know, that he's been cooking up for him, especially, uh, he is left flaccid and meets the chaperone that brought in both Toph and Katara, asking him to join him in the library where his friends will also be. Yeah, and that's when we get the big exposition scene where it's that that chaperone. Yeah, it turns out he's a big uh, he's kind of the he's kind of the de facto leader. He's the silent dictator. And. Yeah, he he's the the king. He's still kind of 
maybe not in charge, but is kind of relegated to his own little duties. You can take care of your little parties for your bear friends and whatever other crap you want to do. But the real stuff, leave it in the hands of the Dai Li. And as leader of the Dai Li, yeah, he's the de facto leader. Yes. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, those in between unaffiliated meet Long Fang. Uh, yeah. The cultural minister of Ba Sing Se. So yeah, basically he's kept order in the city and has kept everybody quiet uh, mm-hmm. about the efforts of the war. Outside, nothing inside. Um, and we see what happens to people who speak of said war. Mm. We do it brilliantly. Yep. Brilliantly with um, Jet as he's being hauled away somewhere and he's being stuck inside our chamber. And having this hypnotic light spin around mm-hmm. as he's been told, being told information. And that's yeah. ultimately what, like, Jet was. He was just a plot point. He was just a tool to be used and seen by, you know, what happens to people. And he's... Uh, when they speak ill or differently, speak out in Bossing Say. Yeah, he moves to the little processing room and... A sort of conversion therapy, if you uh, if you catch my uh, <laughs> rehabilitation, is the void. And they say, you may. How many lights are in the room? Is there five lights? And Jet's like, there's one light. And then maybe by the end of this scene, he'll be saying there's five lights, just like a certain Captain Picard. But <laughs> and so Ang. I love Toph's reaction, by the way. How she's just absolutely furious. Like she can't even say anything. She's yep. just like, this all but confirms like her belief is correct of like, you know, the city is disgusting. It's disturbing. It's, it's ugly. Yep. It's everything I hate. Um, I don't want to be here right now. And Aang stands up for everybody just being like, as everybody's trying to bring up like, well, we'll, we'll tell people or whatnot, or, or this, you can't do this. Like this is, these people have a right to know. These people have a right to panic <laughs> uh, about uh, and know about the war effort at least. Oh, mm-hmm. oh. Well, if you do that, I hear there's a bison you uh, you're mm-hmm. missing. Don't know what that means. Oh, I know. But Long Fang mentions how, like, if you know, word did spread that the entire ecosystem, the entire system that he set up uh, in Bossing Say. That is, you know, run nicely, you know, working like clockwork, as they say. Everybody's in their place. Everybody's like a clock, like a gear. Everything would collapse and fall. And that the city would be chaos is a utopia right now without knowing about the war effort. And to that, well, I'll let you I'll let you speak because I'm going to go on a long rant, a long tirade. Maybe not fully long, but I'll let you say any thoughts before I before I go on. Oh, the only thing I'll say, and it'll be short, is we've definitely seen this kind of mantra been repeated throughout history. And uh, I appreciate them, again, showing this side of war, that it's not always the brutality that you see, it's sometimes the brutality that you don't see. And it's the uh, behind-the-closed-doors kind of brainwashing of the people that can be its, its own kind of hideous part of war. So, so again, I appreciate this, this show um, shows as much of the depth of this kind of conflict or these kind of conflicts can create, but, but, but you go ahead. 
That's fair. We 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 go to Bossing Say, and instead of what we saw in the Earth, <laughs> instead of races or sexism, excuse me, by one single person uh, at the Northern Water Tribe, uh, instead we have statism, I guess. Mm. But and so I say to Long Fang this. You, and this is what Ang should have said. You want to know what, uh, what cities look like when they do know about the war. They have hope. Their spirits are maybe not lifted, but they are aware of what's going on. And even then, there are some that aren't affected by it. The Southern Water Tribe was not affected by the war. Was affected by the war greatly because they needed warriors, and so they left. And they were pretty much defenseless, and yet the Fire Nation bothered not to do anything about it. And yet they still lived. It was not until Ang came that that they 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 um they came to their borders and they came to their waters. Once they left, as far as we know, once Ang left, excuse me, as far as I know, nobody bothered them, even though they just lost their hunter. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kyoshi Island. Ang goes there. The citizens are kind of again privy to the war don't seem to be doing much about it or whatnot as soon as again ang arrives you're going to see a pattern here he brings the war to them because of zuko and what does he do he fights back they all fight back and once he leaves and they leave they again the fire nation doesn't bother them and yet he inspires hope he instills hope within the kiyoshi warriors suki especially gives her the reason to go and join uh, the fight in different ways, especially, you know, helping refugees get into bossing, say, uh, Haru's village. Many of them, many of the men were taken and, uh, they were, they were oppressed. They, that you saw like, you know, um, haven't said him, him in a while, but, uh, captain lightning bolt Zolt senior, he was there and he was like, you know, running things. And yet it was with Katara's bravery and her determination to like, let the earth nation or earth kingdom uh, people remember them, like who they are and how they're strong. They fought back. And so while there was, you know, a lot to lose, they still fought back because fighting was worth something uh, rather than not doing anything at all. The Northern air temple where the mechanist set up camp. Uh, of course it was, you know, he thought his, him and his refugee friends and buds could live there. And yet the Fire Nation overtook it. And yet he was under control. Again, Aang comes in and he like, you know, shows that there is a will to fight and he fights back. And they still currently live there as far as I'm aware, even though that mountain could like come lapse at any point um, entirely. But the Abbey that, you know, of Batao, the Water Tribe, Aang came around. They were they were, before then they were pretty much, you know unaffected by anything that was going on with the war and then maybe they had like soldiers coming in and around that's right they had soldiers coming in and around uh to help them but as soon as ang was there then uh the fire nation showed up but again they drove them back the water northern water tribe excuse me they go there and again uh, zuko and Zhao follow them but again they fight back they almost lose when the spirits are when the spirit is killed and yet they still drive them back. There was hope. Long Feng, you are wrong. We have seen repeated times throughout the show that there it is possible to exist in this war. You are affected by this war many times. The even the 
Jet's village or the village that Jet was going to attack and destroy. It was under Fire Nation control, which was bad enough, but it looked like a little girl like had the ability to have a uh, a doll, which means that she was probably properly well fed and looked after. So don't know if they were dictators or whatnot. So there is still hope. Okay. Your mantra of this entire thing of total control is madness. You are incorrect, and it is all going to come down in your face. But that will come on another day. Yeah, and speaking of another day, well, uh, we, we, I guess we've come to the end of this episode. And um... Well, after Aang's little speech there, his impromptu speech, excuse me. Oh, no. Um... And after Long Fang's words of, hmm, I see, one ear out the other. See no evil, hear no either. Evil. Um, he's like, Judy, escort these fellows back to their home where they will be watched. I kept a close eye on for the next little while. And she comes in and she's like, please, I shall attend and see to the exit, please. And they all have a horrified look on their face. That's not Judy. But she says, of course, I'm Judy. That's the end of the episode. Yeah. Do you have any uh, final thoughts for this one? So despite what I said earlier uh, about how this you know whole season feels stagnated or whatnot, I think that's if you only watch it like um, for not like you, you don't binge it or don't pick it up for a long time. Because this episode was awesome and really cool and a lot of fun. Oh, oh, that's yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> uh, maybe I was just, you know, redirecting somewhere so I could, you know, save that entire speech for later. Who knows? Oh, OK, OK. But you no, know, this was a really good episode and it showed us that, you know, time and time again, that some of the, you know, the Earth Kingdom is not all right in the war efforts. Let's put it that way. We saw those men in uh, the village in, uh, in Zuko alone, who were, you know, kind of being a lot of goofs. Um, and even though way back in like, what was it? Way, way back in like episode eight uh, or seven of, of book one, of the spirit worlds where, you know, those earthbenders were capturing Zuko and Iroh. They were only doing that because, well, they were from the narrative, they were the bad guys to Iroh and Zuko, but really they were, you know, getting war criminals. Like they were grabbing them. So the worst thing, but yeah, here we see that at least, you know, the capital of the earth kingdom is kind of (laughs) nuts. So yeah, and very much enjoyed this episode. And it was, it, it, you're, I think you're right. It is nice to see the other side of the war, not just you know the Fire Nation, but also the Earth Kingdom since they're four nations. Um, so it is nice to at least finally get to Bossing Say and see what's going to happen. So let's see what's going to happen in the next episode, eh? Yeah, which is Tales of Bossing Say. Yeah, that's a big one. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about that next time and. Well, hey, hang on, Caleb. What's your, what's your, hang on. What's your final thoughts? Uh, my final thoughts is this is a good episode, and uh, yeah, it looks good. I, I, I think I've said my piece throughout the discussion here, which has gone on, yeah, a little bit, a little quite long. So, so yeah, that's my final thoughts. Good episode. <laughs> Fair enough, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, 
joining me with this episode. And if you were stuck in the system, how do you escape this control from the inside? How do you break the loop? Is there any easy way? Or is there a hard way? Till next time. podcast contains spoilers for all seasons of Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. Spoilers. Enter at your peril. But just to, just to go off a little bit into to spoilers, um, for me, like when I, I was, I think maybe I was hoping this would be more like uh, Republic City and Korra. Like, I feel like I got my my wish there when I watched that. I feel like that's such a great I see. city to see. I see. This one just feels a little bit less, uh, but, but they're going for different things. Maybe it's different eras in, in time. Of course. I, I think I know what you're saying. They're, they wanted a metropolis. You wanted a utopia. Well, you sort of get a utopia here, bud. <laughs> Well, dystopia, maybe. But. <laughs> well, hey, one's one calls it a dystopia, the other sees it as a utopia. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if the uh, I don't even know if the Dai Li would call it a utopia, but which I don't know if we referenced in the past or if it was mentioned, but I believe one Avatar Kyoshi was the one that was the leader and founded this Dai Li group as kind of almost police officers. Oh, wow, I did not remember that. That's interesting. I don't know if that's a spoiler or not, so I'll leave that to you.